The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. Glory, Glory to you, to you. O Lord. Jesus instructed the twelve as follows. As you go, proclaim that the kingdom of heaven is close at hand. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. You received without charge, give without charge. Provide yourselves no gold or silver, not even a few coppers for your purses. Have no haversack for the journey, or no spare tunic or footwear or a staff, for the workman deserves his keep. Whatever town or village you go into, ask for someone trustworthy and stay with them until you leave. As you enter his house, salute it, and if the house deserves it, let your peace descend upon it. If it does not, let your peace come back to you. And if anyone does not welcome you or listen to what you have to say, as you walk out of the town or house, shake the dust from your feet. I tell you solemnly, on the day of judgment, it will not go as hard with the land of Sodom and Gomorrah as with that town. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Please be seated. That long story that you heard, that long story from Genesis, um, fits in a, in, a, in a beautiful context. It's hard to keep a track of where we are in the story of Genesis, but um, Genesis is which book in the Bible? Like, is it at the beginning or the end? Come on, guys. The, the beginning. It's the very first book. That's what Genesis means, in the beginning. Um, and, and it's a big book. And there's almost every kind of story you could think of in there. There's like brothers who turn against each other. There's crazy violence. There's crazy forgiveness. There's, there's all sorts of story you could think of. There's slaves who become part of a family. Um, Genesis is full of these what we call archetypal stories. They're like really, really, um, they're stories that we sort of see everywhere. <laughs> um, okay, so what's this story then? We heard Molly reading it. Um, Judah, which is one of the sons of Jacob, and Jacob has 12 sons, and one of them is Joseph. Anyone seen the musical Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat? So Joseph is this brother who has these dreams, and he's really gifted, and obviously God has chosen him, and all the other brothers are jealous. In fact, even to some degree, his dad and his mum are jealous, because in Joseph's dreams, Joseph seems to be almost worshipped by his whole family, his, his parents included. And they're like, what kind of dream is this? And they don't like him very much. So they put him in a well and he gets taken to Egypt. And you can look at that story later. The point is, his brothers betrayed him really badly. They were going to kill him. They didn't quite kill him. But they basically did. You know, They killed him socially. <laughs> and, and for all they know, he's dead. That's what they think. They think he's dead. Um, years go by and there's a famine in the land. And Joseph foresaw this in his dreams. He had these prophetic dreams. He saw the future, and he said, there's going to be a famine. And there was. The whole land was um, real destitute. Um, meanwhile, Joseph has landed up in Egypt, and because he has dreams, he's become very valuable to the Pharaoh, who starts to consult him and run the kingdom according to his special privileged knowledge. Um, and so Joseph was once a little prisoner, but he ends up becoming the right-hand man to the Pharaoh, like the second most powerful guy in the biggest kingdom ever that there was in that world now there's a famine and his family has come looking for food and who do they find uh, administering the the big resources of Egypt who do you think Joseph 
Joseph's there. They don't recognize him because he's all dressed in royalty and he's got, he just looks real fancy. And they're like, he's dead. We don't know who that guy is. We need his stuff. Okay. But this is what you heard. The brothers come, all of them except for the youngest, whose name is Benjamin. And Benjamin is the only maternal brother of Joseph. So you've got Joseph and you've got all these other brothers to a different uh, mother. And then you've got Benjamin. So out of all the brothers, the closest is Benjamin and Joseph. Benjamin's in Egypt and he looks like a king. And Joseph's back, uh, what's his name? Benjamin's back with, with the dad, who's old and who's near death. And who's already grieved the loss of Joseph. Oh, my son Joseph died, you know. Please don't take Benjamin away from me. What happens here is a really, really emotional encounter. It's hard to understand how emotional it is. It's emotional and it's like unexpectedly gracious, let's say. Because ordinarily, if, if this were like a Hollywood blockbuster, what would Joseph do once he's called his, um, you know, betraying brothers back to him? They don't know who he is and they're all there and they're all dying of hunger. What would be the end of the story if this were like a, a classic, you know, blockbuster film? Joseph would, yeah. Absolutely. Justice. You guys don't know what you did, but now I'm in power and you're stuffed. <laughs> um, so die. In fact, you'd probably have them arrested and they can just uh, starve to death in the uh, Egyptian prisons. Is that what happens? That's not the Christian story at all. The Christian story is always <laughs> the, the kind of opposite of a blockbuster film. Um, Joseph now, his heart is breaking out of love he wants his whole family there he says hey you guys who still don't know who i am go and get your youngest brother they bring him and they're busy talking to themselves in hebrew and they don't know he speaks hebrew and they're saying oh but you know this is they're getting very everything's getting really emotional joseph here has to turn around and cry in private otherwise they'll figure out who he is eventually he says please don't stress about what you did all of that's behind us god has desired that i would now be in a position to help you, to save you. That's what he does. He saves them. See, this is why we say it's, a, it's an archetypal story. Because when you look at that story, and then you look at the story of Jesus, and then you look at all of our lives, it's like, okay, something in that story is meant to play out again in my life. If I'm betrayed, if I'm left for dead, if God somehow allows me to prevail, which God does, because grace is always enough. And I find myself in a position of strength, of power, in a position to reconcile enemies. We don't make our lives a stupid blockbuster where the, the villain, the hero becomes a villain who kills the other villains. No, we become instruments of reconciliation. And it connects, of course, to what the church and the country is trying to do with NADOC as well. Um, let's close our eyes for a second and just Imagine what it would be like if this kind of radical forgiveness really flowed through our bones. It's the people that we are. Um, we're struck, but we don't strike in return. When we are cursed, we bless. When we're wounded, we heal. This is what God is calling all of us to. It's the mystery of Jesus living in us.